and welcome to shift f1 a podcast about speedy race cars uh that by the way is spanish for carne asada (laughs) which refers to the about two pounds of carne asada i have left in my refrigerator wow i get together this weekend yeah did you get did you get together over a pig and cut it up and stick it in your fridge uh it's cow it's it's cow sorry isn't it yeah yeah well, that, yeah. that's what happens when the Irish boy moved to America and suddenly everything was in Spanish at the taco place. And I'm like, that's not fair. Well, actually, that is fair. It's, you and uh, you and Pato Award need to hang out. Oh, yeah? Same problem? Well, he's he's half Irish, half Mexican. Of course. Oh, my God. We've, already, perfect... so, we've already talked about Paddy Gonzalez, the restaurant in my hometown, right? The, fu- the fusion Irish Mexican restaurant. I'm pretty sure it's come up. I feel oh. every time he he comes up, that comes up. Yeah, um, I, I, uh, and I probably say right after that that I love Mexican uh, restaurants around the world. Oh, I always whenever I see one in Germany oh, really? or wherever, I go. <laughs> Last one I went to was in Japan. Wow, uh, it was awful but amazing. It's like me know. and Irish bars. It's got to go in. Oh yeah, yeah. Irish bars uh, in Dubai and Tokyo. It's great. It's a good time. <laughs> Just like the old country, everywhere I go. It's so funny. Every time I go to get a taco and I'm like, had a night out, I always go in and forget what everything is. So there you go. Carne asada is always... What's the other one? Carnitas? Is that is Carn- that pork? Carnitas? Yeah, it's pork. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I went and uh, when I was in Ukraine for Cloth Map, uh, the only place I could find that was showing Formula One was an Irish pub the, in Kiev. Fantastic. Yeah. Just sports, right? Any time of the... What, what time was the race on? Was it was it an easy one? It was in the, yeah, it was in the afternoon, okay. uh, normal European time. But I walked in and uh, there was a woman there, and there were like two sides to the to the pub, okay. uh, like two areas of viewing. And she said, uh, "To the left is the football, to the right is the formula." <laughs> so I went and watched the formula. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'm I'm Drew Scanlon. That's Danny O'Dwyer. Rob Zachney is on assignment. Uh, mm. Not for us. No, <laughs> he's uh, not in Mexico <laughs> for Waypoint. No, he's in Germany. Oh, nice. Um, Someone should tell him that Grand Prix happened a couple of weeks ago. (laughs) Yeah, he's probably, he's getting down to what, where did the rain come from? Right. Uh, If you are new to this podcast, welcome. Welcome. And if you're new to Formula One itself, we recommend listening to our preseason primer episode, which assumes no prior F1 knowledge uh, and gives the lowdown on how the sport works and who everybody is. So if you want to listen to that, it's uh, episode 59. Are you going to recommend that right up until Abu Dhabi? Uh, yeah. <laughs> I love the idea that someone's going to listen to the Abu Dhabi one. You oh, know what? Wait. You know what? Yeah, I'm going to go back. <laughs> People say that they go back and listen to old uh, Shift F1 episodes. Fantastic. Which I think is great. Yeah. Um, also, the show is supported entirely by our audience at patreon.com slash shift F1, where every month we release uh, a bonus podcast, a bonus video just for our patrons uh, that covers uh, films about racing documentaries f1 video games primers for other racing series and a lot of weird things so if you'd like to uh get access to those those and uh support the show um head over to patreon.com slash shift f1 uh what do we have going on this month danny yeah a bunch of stuff happening this week uh our days of thunder podcast yes. which is our um our monthly patron only podcast went up on friday it was a lot of fun it's two hours almost of us talking about um robin is racing and tom cruise being sexually assaulted uh and other things like that oh boy yeah it's a real it's a real 90s ass movie is it 90s 80s 1990 i think right on it right on the right on the fence 
Um, and we also have the, uh, if by the time you're listening to this, the video game history for F1 2002 will be up. Although the box I had for the game was F1 Career Challenge, which is a game what? that's, stra- yeah, it's, it's been a real wild ride. Not only recording the PlayStation 2 took like forever to figure out. Um, but uh, I thought I had F1 Career Challenge, but the disc was actually different. Um, F1 Career Challenge is a weird game. It, it's F1, the seasons 99, 2000, 2001, and 2002 are in it. Um, but uh, yeah, unfortunately, the version I was playing was only... Wait, so yeah, how, where did you get this? Season. Where did you acquire this? I bought it off eBay. Okay. So what I can't tell is sometimes they used to like do rebrands. They do like yeah. reissues of games like Sega Soccer and Italian 90 was a famous one. Um, so I don't know what happened in this case. Maybe it was the game a, a sold to somebody biohazard situation perhaps yeah something yeah like a european thing i i did significant research after the fact uh (laughs) and i think maybe just the wrong disc was put in the box okay (laughs) yeah so i'm going to have to go find f1 career challenge now but uh yeah the f1 game history for that one is up and uh in a couple of days or later this week or early next week we'll have the next one uh, which is uh f1 2000 the final playstation 1 uh f1 game so it's fun. It's fun going back and playing them. 2002 is good. It was real good. Those cars are loud. Cool. I uh, mm. can't wait to see it. I, I, I really enjoy watching those things. Thanks. I, I'm surprised at how different they can be, honestly. When yeah. it's just... Like, you kind of think that, ah, F1 games just go around the same course as whatever. No. <laughs> There's yeah. so many... And they're also, I think probably because they're low-budget games, they're also really weird. Like, they make some strange decisions, which are always fun to see. Yeah, there's lots of like copy pasting of modes or or just like yeah, like I think I did F1 Race Stars already, right? Like that's like the Mario Kart one. Like that's yeah. just like so st- the, it's it's a wonder any of these games exist because the F1 audience I don't think is necessarily very video game. I think now it is more, especially with folks like Lando on Twitch streams all the time, but mm-hmm. um especially in the past it was kind of an oddity that they even existed. Uh Jeff, plenty plenty more of them to to play, let me tell you. Well, uh, today we will be discussing the upcoming Mexican Grand Prix. But uh, before that, let's take a dip into uh, the pool of news. Ooh, I'll put on my shorts. <laughs> uh, first up, a quick one. Toro Rosso is no more. Oh. Uh, according to Autosport.com, an F1 commission e-vote took place in the week after the Russian Grand Prix, and the name change was approved. I should have clarified. The team still exists. Uh, the name is different. They have been confirmed for next year as Alpha Tori, mm. uh, Red Bull's weird fashion brand, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. You got a great email about the the store in, in Austria, uh, in the gentleman's hometown, around the corner from the A1 ring. That's right. Last Last week. Yeah. It's uh oh man, I'm gonna miss you saying you just did it earlier. You did the carne asada earlier with the, the <laughs> which I can't yeah. really do. I'm gonna miss you saying Toro Rosso, man. Um, it's like, it's like camping world truck. It's just they keep they keep pulling it away. I we know. have to we have to come up with some new bits. That's what I'm realizing. Is like I mean the Kibitza watch. I know. Oh, yeah, right. Sunsetted. It's like Pastor Maldonado basically being our key art for the best part of like he still <laughs> is. <laughs> I think he's still on that, something that is forever. Pastor, yeah. tacos al pastor forever. <laughs> uh, all right, what's what's next? Looks like rich, uh, rich energy or oh, whatever. Uh, yeah, there, so the reverse grid trials apparently are not happening, which I am absolutely crestfallen about. This yeah. seems like one of the most fun ideas since Bernie said, let's turn on the sprinklers. Um, yeah, this one coming from, uh, from Autosport. 
the Formula One looks set to abandon attempts to trial different racetrack or race weekend formats in 2020 after teams failed to get behind the idea of reverse grid experiments uh, earlier this week. Um, the idea was to that a three Grand Prix, France, Belgium, and Russia F1's normal qualifying session would be replaced with a shorter race whose grid was then put together in reverse championship order. Um, the end result of the race, which would be roughly uh, 62 miles or 100 kilometers in length, would decide the starting order for uh, the main show on Sunday, as it were. Um, the matter was discussed at this week's latest F1 rules meeting in Paris between the teams, the FIA and F1, but failed to get unanimous support that was needed for uh, the change in regulation to occur. It is understood some front-running teams were against the plan, no shit, because they believed that they would be too difficult for them to make up enough ground if they started at the back. Really? <laughs> huh. Huh. Never Strange. thought about that. Never thought that might happen. Um so uh yeah uh, a big shame um uh and uh yeah this uh this uh line from a, a, a age.com um article with uh, Ricardo uh, about the reverse grids he said uh, talking reverse grids that's band-aid stuff he said if you focus more on say tires overheating uh, when you're following another car the aerodynamic wake over the tires, uh, we won't need reverse grids because you'll be more easily able to follow the car in front and the racing will automatically be better. Um, I feel like the Ricardo talking about that and some of the other drivers, are, I mean, that's the drum that's been beaten for the past couple of years is uh, it's like, yeah, absolutely. That's what that's where everyone's trying to get to. But it's just, it, it doesn't seem to be the case. Whether or not the, the new regulations will, will bring us that type of driving, I guess we'll just have to wait and see. But I was looking forward to it, just a little bit of fun. Yeah, I don't, of, I don't understand what, what the problem is with trying it. It's three times. Yeah. Uh, it's when, not like Bernie, when Bernie changed qualifying. He was just like, all right, we're doing this now. Yeah, and then we change it again the following wi- race weekend. Yeah. It's it's a shame. I think I think the easiest way, the only way maybe it was going to get through was by doing the non-points races, but then the non-points races was probably a non-starter as well because it was going to be a problem for the circuit for getting people there it was going to be a problem for uh, the drivers for certain teams so yeah it sucks uh, i like innovation and trying new things and maybe it wasn't the most innovative idea it's an idea that's been around and is used in other motor disciplines maybe not not at this level but yeah a bit of a shame would have been something fun to look forward to next year yeah anything uh to mix things up i'm i'm, I'm with you but uh yeah it's a shame um Danny, would you mind reading in this next article we're going to talk about, could you read the first two paragraphs in like your (laughs) stuffiest BBC, like British newscaster voice? Okay. Yeah, this was a, I had to read this like three or four times to wrap my head around it. Okay. A vacuum humping a goat. Well, try and banish the picture if that is possible, but consider instead the sound. An unholy conjugation of machines and animals from which Formula One would surely like to keep its distance. This description of the sound of F1 cars is not the oral sculpture the sport once associated with its uh, expansion in North America. Yet said development in the form of this week's announcement of an agreement in principle to host a race in Miami may yet see the delightfully coloured phrase bandied around for a little while longer. (laughs) That's what Thank happens man, when the Guardian starts getting into the the weeds on F1. Yes, Giles Richards, by the way, wrote that amazing prose. Probably Giles. Okay, not not the Jay Giles band. 
God. It's like Jeff and Geoff, you know? Yeah. G's are confusing with names. Uh, yeah, so this, I guess, sort of fluttered into existence and then fluttered away almost I mean, as quickly. It did last year, too. Mm. Uh, they've been trying to get Miami on the board for a little bit. Yeah, this is the Miami Grand Prix, which mm-hmm. um, uh, was apparently agreed in principle, which led to a lot of um, people who played the uh, latest Hitman video game to start uh, <laughs> tweeting about it quite hilariously, uh, because there is a sort of faux F one. There's like an open, like an endurance race uh, happens in uh, in the, in that video game. Um, but yeah, in Miami. It's, uh, in Miami. Yeah, sorry, that yeah. takes place in Miami, which is uh, which is really good fun. Um, but yeah, it, it looks like that perhaps is not going to be the case now. Well, it's, yeah, they're running into the same problem that they did last year, which is uh, the, let's see, the Miami-Dade County Commission um, representing the people uh, of Miami, it would seem, uh, do not want it to go ahead. Uh, let's see, County Commissioner because Barbara Jordan says... I've solidified my position as a no in terms of something this community does not want. And a former commissioner says, um, even more people will be affected negatively by a race like this than even in the downtown area because you're talking about a stadium that is surrounded on all four sides by bedroom communities. Uh, it would, she added, be, quote, environmentally devastating. So this is, this will, it, the plan is for, um, last year it was like the, the course was going to take place near the waterfront, I think, and right, this is yeah. now... The plan would be around the Miami Dolphins uh, stadium. Stadium. And the Dolphins, the stadium folks seem to be on board. They seem to be oh, yeah. happy with, with, well, I'm not surprised. Um, Sean Bridges, uh, F1 director and uh, the CEO of the Miami Dolphins, Tom Garfinkel, issued <laughs> a joint statement covering uh, the new plan to host a race in the Miami Gardens district, which I guess is where um, the, uh, the Hard Rock Stadium, <laughs> where the Dolphins play. Uh, where the Dolphins are currently trying to sink their season intentionally, it looks like, um, <laughs> to get that wonderful first-round draft pick uh, next year. Um, yeah, this is I, out, Dan. Yeah, right, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Get my, your gun is digging into my hip. Um, yeah, I mean, I look forward to next year, I guess, when it's taking place somewhere in a swamp outside of Miami. It's just going right. to keep going Cheap real further, estate. further out. Yeah, I mean, I we need the second America race. Like it just it's it seems like it's been the longest time coming. We had New York on the cards for a little while there. It's not like there isn't a shortage of other racetracks. Like I wonder why other like is Indianapolis just not like up to code? Like are some of them just not like Laguna Seca? Or I guess they're just not F one for. I guess the corkscrew might be a little bit difficult in F one cars. Yeah, um, I mean this is all it's it's all money stuff, right? It's all right. business deals, and it's going to take a lot of money to you know retrofit Indy or Laguna Seca or something to bring it up to F one spec, right? So who's going to pay for that? Mm. Uh, whereas if you did this like half on Dolphins property, half on you know Miami Dade County roads. Uh, right. that's a lot less apparently. Um, or, you know, maybe, maybe Mr. Garfinkel is footing some of the bill. Uh, who knows? But it, it, there is a vote apparently on October 28th of this month, uh, <laughs> um, where the Miami-Dade County people will vote. And if it, uh, goes through, then we, we would see F1 come to Miami sometime in May of 2021. Uh, but, uh, at least the commissioners are, are not looking like they're going to vote in favor of that. So, 
It's a shame. I feel it's yeah, we have because we have like a good amount of North American races between Mexico and Canada as well, but it's just it's a shame um that we haven't got like a I don't know, like a like a proper US one that we'll see from now on. Um I've just brought up a, a list of the uh all the races that uh are are every circuit that has hosted a Formula One race in America. Mm-hmm. Um uh, Dallas had one in nineteen eighty four. Uh, Phoenix between uh, 89 and 91. Um, Riverside in 1960, so that was a, an old one. Uh, Vegas in 81 and 82. Detroit between 82 and 88. Sebring in 59, way back in the day. Circuit of the Americas, of course. Uh, Indianapolis had it between 1950 and 1960, 2000 to 2007. Um, Long Beach between 76 and 83. And of course, Watkins Glen between sixty-one and eighty. So uh, you know, there's 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 tracks out there. How much retrofitting we need to go into it, I guess, and uh, where there'd be people watching it. But I don't know. It's just we've been doing this podcast now from America for what, like four years at least. I know five and five. We maybe? have single-handedly brought up the <laughs> viewership of Formula One in this country. Well, it it I, uh, I, I wasn't trying to suggest that, although it is definitely true. Um, but what I was mostly thinking was like I feel it in my like in my bones yeah. that there are more F one fans around now than there were five years ago, ten years ago in the United States. So yeah, like maybe it's something to do with the you know other racing disciplines, local domestic ones becoming less. Uh, less popular or maybe it's just like a new generation of people growing up who are into into racing again i don't know but it seems like there's a lot i mean austin's on pretty soon places jammers and yeah. that's not exactly the biggest city in america you know what i mean like austin's like you know it's not that big a spot yeah i'd like to see I, i've never seen footage of f1 at indianapolis but i think it would be cool because it's got mm. i think my understanding is that it it wasn't. Um, it took place partially on the oval. So Indianapolis right. is an oval. The Indy 500 races there, uh, and that is an oval that they race on for the Indy 500. But there's also like a uh, a squiggly bit in the middle, um, that is more like a you know like an F1 circuit. So mm. I think when F1 raced there, they raced on the infield and then a little bit on the banking, right? Uh, and then which back nuts, into right? the infield, which I think would be amazing to watch uh, on F1. Or F1 cars on that circuit. Maybe it's a safety thing too, because ovals are are pretty dangerous. Yeah, I'm trying to think where the where what's the closest thing we have to a bit of banking in F1 at the moment. I know like the Nordschleife has quite a lot of it, but the F1 tracks, I don't know when the how much they because like the, the 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 current Nurburgring track, I don't think has anything like that. Maybe Curvet Grande. The Parabolica seems pretty flash. Like I wonder. I'm trying to think. Probably not too many of them. Yeah, I mean the corners that I'm thinking of. Um, yeah, I'm only thinking of ones that have have uh, bank like opposite camber bank, so they're not tilting up; they're tilting down away from the apex. Right. So those are always the tricky ones because your car can slide off a whole lot easier. Uh, but yeah, in terms of upward banking, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, all right, moving on. Um, we mentioned last week that uh, Racing Point had brought Renault's brake system yeah. uh, into um, uh, contest, I suppose, with the FIA, saying that uh, they were using some illegal stuff to change their brake bias automatically. Uh, the FIA then impounded parts of Renault's cars. Um, there has been no change 
on that. But uh, another infraction has supposedly been, um, I guess, not really submitted to the FIA. So how how this works is if you think one of your rivals is doing something wrong, you rot on them. Yeah, you do, but you do it in kind of a weird way. You basically go to the FIA and say, we'd like clarification on the rules in this very specific area. And so the FIA then has to say, well, the rules state this. And either by them stating that, either that will mean that what another team is doing is illegal, which then uh, you as the... um, the uh the tattler can say well they're doing this <laughs> or they'll say that it's not illegal and then you as the tattler can say well then i'm doing that on my cars too right so um we don't know who is asking the fia this but they're asking about ferrari's engine oh. um this is from motorsport magazine rivals have queried the fia about whether an oil cooled intercooler might quote inadvertently leak some oil into the combustion process thereby increasing the calorific content which is that real calorific uh in the otherwise uh fuel flow limited engine so uh we actually had heard uh rumblings about ferrari burning oil in the beginning of the season i think um but i think this is now uh, a little more light on the subject of how they're actually doing it uh this from autosport.com using the oil Using oil in the intercooler, which Ferrari is thought to be alone in utilizing, is permitted by the regulations, although rules demand that such system, systems, quote, must not intentionally make use of the latent heat vaporization of any fluid with the exception of fuel for the normal purpose of combustion in the engine. So uh, you can you can have oil in your intercooler, but it can't go into your engine, I think is what they're saying. So um, That's at least what one of the other engine manufacturers believes Ferrari is doing, according to Motorsport Magazine, but it is essentially only a guess. So FIA has not given a specific reply, thereby (laughs) sidestepping uh, that, uh, you know, advantage, disadvantage that the um, team would have for querying the FIA. Um, But uh, in regards to another query about let's see so presumably Um, it's not anyone else with the ferrari power unit because they although maybe it is maybe that's how they know but like (laughs) i doubt that they're i doubt that they're gonna yeah um, this article says at least one other engine manufacturer okay right so so we know it's not haas or alpha (laughs) right um it's it's come on it's Mercedes. It's got. It's got to be. <laughs> but this hey, would man, explain got, why you know they, they got to make sure they win the championship. <laughs> already wrapped up. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Anyway, that's kind of a lot of mumbo jumbo. But if Ferrari is doing that, either the FIA, or I mean, one of three things could happen. FIA could rule no big deal. They could rule uh, that Ferrari is doing something illegal, or they could just stay quiet and um, uh, nothing will happen. Wait until the season's over. Uh, and then the final bit of news here w series has announced their uh well 18 of their 20 drivers for the 2020 season uh from their website after a three-day on-track test at almeria 
Ameria. In southern Spain last month, and a rigorous lap time assessment and data analysis program thereafter, W Series has selected six new drivers to race alongside the 12 drivers who automatically qualified for the 2020 W Series Championship as a result of having finished inside the top 12 of the 2019 uh, championship. We've left two spaces available to allow us a little more time to select the final two drivers who, together with the 18 we've already selected, will make up the 20 drivers who will contest the 2020 championship. So the new drivers... Go ahead. It's DLC. It's got to drop in a couple more at the end. You know, it's got to be like Terminator and the Alien, I think. Right. Uh, well, this uh, this expansion pack includes six drivers. Uh, Ayla Argen, 25 years old from Norway, who see most recently raced in US F2000, which is an IndyCar feeder, uh, and won another feeder series, um, the F1600 series, uh, in mm. 2014. Uh, she was the champion there. Abby Eaton from the UK. She's 27 and also the test driver on the Amazon Prime original series, The Grand Tour. That's cool. Yeah. Um, which I was always weirded out. I think I watched the first season that she was in and they never said her name. Oh, really? Yeah, it was really... She's I think just it was, like the test driver? Was that like a, you know... Cause they they were didn't like hide her under a helmet. Right. Like they mm-hmm. showed her face and she talked and stuff, but they never said her name. It was really strange. You think, um, wow, you think Jeremy Clarkson being a chauvinist? Do you think? It, <laughs> Is there more seasons of that? I've, I only watched I the think first so. one and I, I, yeah, I, didn't, I, I wasn't into it. Uh, All right, she also, um, this year, is racing in the Super 2 series, which is a supercars support series, and in 2017, won her class in the Monza round of the Blancpain GT series, the only round she competed in, despite it being her first time in a GT3 car and having only 10 laps of practice. So uh, watch watch out for her. Uh, three drivers from the 2019 Spanish F4 season, including Belen Garcia, Nerea Marti and Irina Sinorkova. Sinorkova. Are these, are these their ages you've written down? You did a lot of research here. Yes. Uh, on these drivers. I know. Yeah, this, they are what? 20, 17, and 16, respectively. 16. Yeah. Uh, she said in her little bio, she says um, she saw the movie Cars in the theaters at age six. Oh, no. <laughs> Oh no, Drew! Oh my God! God wow, so uh, she's from Russia. The other two are from Spain, and then also uh, Bruna Tomaselli from Brazil. She's twenty-one uh, and was also in uh, this year's uh, USF two thousand series. Cool, excellent. Welcome to the welcome to the grid, and then two more others to look forward to. I wonder where they might pull them from. Yeah, probably uh, from the other uh, drivers that were attempting to qualify that's what they did mm. last time i think uh, and they also had two reserve drivers that actually got to drive uh, a couple of times so yeah look forward to that yeah. um i think that's it for news you want to take us through the mexican grand prix track danny sure uh circuit hermanas rodriguez uh i, I mean it's a circuit where it's kind of new in a way, although it was home to many a Grand Prix in, in years past, although uh, slightly altered um, in the years between 1963 and today. Uh, it's a fun one. It's, it's uh, you know, not too far from the capital city, just towards the east. It holds about 300,000 fans and they tend to stick around uh, for the whole week, especially as they have some pretty uh, popular uh, drivers from uh, home country in in the past couple of years. And of course, we've got Sergio Perez bouncing around um, uh, this year. 
the highest altitude of any of the tracks on the current oh, right. F1 calendar. So it's a funny one because the cars end up running hot. And although it's very sort of straight line speedy, you know, the first two uh, or the first sector of the, the track has basically got two big DRS zones. And um, uh, because of the sort of, I guess, what would you say, the, the thickness of the air up there, um, it's actually quite difficult to get some um, aerodynamic uh, downforce uh, up there. So uh, it tends not to uh, benefit them too much. Um, but yeah, the, the drivers themselves as well kind of turn up usually a little bit earlier just to get sort of acclimatized to the um, uh, oxygen levels up there as well. Um, but uh, yeah, they, 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 they seem to enjoy it. It's It's kind of a... It's a funny track. Some parts of it are quite, I don't want to say boring, but they're quite like uh, maybe not particularly engaging for the drivers and then um, sort of punctuated by some more complex stuff. So sector one, uh, so it's you start on a, on a relatively long straight. Sector, uh, the first two turns, one, two, and three, they tend to get a lot of action in the first couple of laps. Uh, we had a bit of a calamity there and I think it was 2017. It was a, um, a Hamilton and Vettel and a few others got tagged. Uh, but it's uh, once the packs straightens out a little bit, it doesn't necessarily tend to have that much overtaking, especially as it leads into um, the second DRS straight, which is also the large sort of uphill climb up to turn four. Um, uh, so there's decent chance for overtaking on that hill and then also into the relatively sharp left-hander at the top of it. Uh, this little section after that is kind of, you know, bit, you know, by the numbers, but then you're into the most complex part, which the drivers like the most, which is the S's between turn seven and turn 12, actually, which is a pretty fast turn that brings you into the stadium section. It's baseball stadium uh, that's used uh, for a large part of the year. But for the F1 track, they sort of split part of it open and the cars do a little arena section in there, which can be a little bit tricky. It's uh, it's 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 not there's there's we had some of the younger drivers doing some overtakes there last year. Like it was it ended up being a lot more fun than than in previous years, especially that turn 13 which is the first turn because turn 12, uh, despite being quite sharp, is actually like, it's, it's taken a decent amount of speed. Um, but it's cool for the atmosphere. It's all the fans are sitting there. Uh, it's where they do the podium after the race and all that. Um, so it's uh, it's quite cool. Uh, it's a shame in a way that it's it, it's sort of come at the uh, uh, the expense of one of the best curves in, in uh, the the track in previous series was the uh, uh, Peraltada, uh, um, which is where Mansell had his uh, famous overtake around the outside. Uh, kind of was a little bit of a dangerous turn. You're speaking about ovals earlier. It was kind of like one of those, like a very long 180 degree right-hander with sharp apexes on either end. Um, you kind of come out onto it now when they leave the the circuit or the stadium arena. Um, so you get a little bit of a taste of it. But uh, yeah, they basically built a baseball stadium right in the middle of the the oval that's that's there or was there at least. Um, yeah, so it's a it's a, it's always been a bit of a kind of I don't know. It's it's never been the most exciting race, but it's not necessarily very boring either. It usually happens near the end of the you know in in most recent years since it came back in 2016 we've had a lot of seasons that have been wrapped up by now so it's not been um the the most competitive shall we say but uh the fans are always great there um there's usually a bit of fun action um uh yeah and it's uh it's on at a good time for us here in north america so i've always uh, personally enjoyed that yeah i uh I, I think i'd have to agree with you on the sort of uh how, how good of a race is mexico usually it's sort of like a oh okay yeah 
it's not not too bad not too mm-hmm. um hasn't really been memorable to me i guess but it's not like one of those ones where i just kind of roll my eyes yeah. uh, i think because it is it is just kind of visually interesting to watch at the stadium and everything um, the last four pole positions were won by uh, Rosberg 2015, Hamilton 2016, Vettel 2017, Ricardo 2018. Nice. So at least a little variation there. Yeah. Um, Tire-wise, we've got the C2, C3, and C4, hard, medium, and soft. So the middle range of Pirelli's five sets. Uh, Mercedes and Ferrari look to be going hard on the mediums. They are taking um, five mediums, only seven softs, and one hard, uh, with the exception of uh, Botas trading one of those mediums for a hard. Uh, everybody else only taking around three mediums and nine softs, uh, and then one or two hards. So, um, yeah, maybe those guys know something that the others don't, or maybe they just have <laughs> way better cars. Mm. Uh, Valtteri Botas holds the lap record at a 118.741. Yeah, it's not the longest track in the world either. <laughs> yeah, through 4.3 kilometers. Um, weather-wise, uh, let's see. We are looking pretty far out here, but um, that race takes place at 1 p.m. local time. So, ooh, qualifying day. Uh, 21 Celsius, 70 Fahrenheit. Mm. Precipitation, 25%. Interesting. Okay, I, I can't remember there being rain there on race day at any stage. Can you remember it? it no. Doesn't, doesn't strike me that. I was just recent, actually, as well. I, I don't know exactly where all the sort of the, the recent turmoil in Mexico is going on, if Mexico City is part of that as well. But I was just thinking that, actually. I wonder if there was any security issues. Um uh around yeah. the track or anything yeah i don't know uh a little warmer on race day and the precipitation danny climbs Ooh. to 45 percent. really yeah okay. uh according to google so huh. that could be interesting also what could be interesting lewis hamilton could win the driver's championship yeah. at this race as he did last year uh, according to racefans.net, he will go into the Mexican Grand Prix 64 points ahead of teammate Valtteri Bottas, the only driver left who can keep from him the title. If Hamilton leaves Mexico with a lead of at least 78 points, he will have won the world championship again. That will only happen if Hamilton finishes on the podium in Mexico and Bottas finishes several places further behind. I can uh, put a link to this in the show notes. It'd be tough for me to describe it, but it's a grid um, visually showing what places they would have to uh, finish for Hamilton to win the championship. But let's run down the standings, shall we? Go for it. Lewis Hamilton on top of 338. Valtteri Bottas has 274. Then it's close between Charles Leclerc in third with 221 and Max Verstappen uh, and Sebastian Vettel tied for fourth place with 212. That's where the fun is. Like, I know they're going to be showing us the minute by minute on Bottas and Hamilton, but all that mid-pack stuff is so good. For sure. Uh, Carlos Sainz uh, is in sixth place with 76 points. Pierre Gasly's got 73. Alex Ooh. Albon in eighth place with 64 points. Danny Rick, uh, 42 points. He's in ninth place. Behind him is uh, his teammate, Nico Hulkenberg, with 35 points. Tied with Sergio Perez <laughs> and Lando Norris. Amazing. Danny Kvyat is in 13th with 33 points. Kimi Raikkonen right behind with 31. Kevin Magnussen's in 15th with 20 points. Stroll has 19. Grosjean's, Grosjean's got eight. Antonio Giovinazzi with four. Robert Kubica with one. And George Russell 
with zero. Man, it's funny how, like, for the longest part of the season, Grosjean was the sort of, like, had egg on his chin. I mean, he still only got eight points, which isn't wonderful. But now looking at uh, Giovinazzi with four and with his teammate on 31. It's, yeah, uh, he's uh, also not confirmed for 2020. Mm. But he's and the most beautiful man on the new intro. How can they? <laughs> it's true. In the dating simulator, the F1 dating sim I'm still waiting to play. <laughs> Uh, also, Robert Kubica, we didn't mention this in the news, but maybe it's a good time since we're talking about Giovinazzi. He yeah. is confident that he will be driving something, maybe not an F1 car, um, but apparently he's been getting close to a test drive at Haas. Oh, baby. Uh, oh, and baby. or uh, a, a DTM car. If um, ever there was a team next year who might lose one of their drivers halfway through the season, I think it would be Haas. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think a lot of people are a little bit surprised maybe that they're retaining the two um from this year uh that they're retaining Grosjean (laughs) that they're I mean also like it's not as if Magnussen has been lighting the the world on fire either you know I mean compared to Grosjean yeah that's true yeah uh but uh, I think Kubica's I think this is a Kubica sponsor PKN Orlen a petrochemical firm Mm. I believe is a Polish company uh they are parting ways with Williams for next year and that could be a potential sponsorship for Haas, as race fans points out. Gunter Steiner, team principal of Haas, quote, confirmed his interest in Kubica, but refused to comment further. So in case he some, accidentally you know, abused somebody and got fined uh, $9,000. <laughs> right. Uh, speaking of constructors, Mercedes on top in the standings with 612 points. They have secured the championship. Um, other places up for grabs, maybe not Ferrari. They've got 433 points in second place. Red Bull also a solid third with 323. McLaren is confident they can hold on to fourth place from Renault. They've got 111 points. Uh, Renault is in fifth with 77. Scuderia Toro Rosso. Ah. 59 points in sixth place behind them. Racing point with 54. Alfa Romeo is a bit further down in eighth place with 35 points. Gene Haas and team, 28 points. And Williams with the Uno. Yeah, by this stage, we're really looking at Toro Rosso and Racing Point um, at, at the fight. And perhaps if Haas, now that they've sort of dialed in the car a little bit better, maybe they can take, close that seven-point gap between them and Alfa Romeo. But, you know, we're, we're down to the last four now. So unless we see some movement this weekend... Um, we're going to have those guys locked out. But there's a lot to play for money-wise between for both those teams, or for all four of those teams. Yeah, very true. Um, Shift F1 Fantasy League, which you can join uh, with the link in the show notes. Uh, the top five here going into Mexico. St. Jovese Racing Team in fifth place. Jacked Up Racing is in fourth. Third place is Dragon Ball GT. Number two is Boah to the Future Part 3. And number one, still on top, Rich Volt F1 Energy Team paintwork pending that feels like eons ago <laughs> rich energy yeah totally yeah what a year it's been i gotta unfollow them on twitter do you though i don't even when i see something that's like oh man that's just hilarious and terrible i don't even want to give it any i don't want to like <laughs> it i don't want to retweet it i don't want to have anything to do with those people anymore <laughs> yeah that's fair should we take just emails? Let's do it. Uh, shiftf1podcast at gmail.com. 
You can also go to f1.cool slash emails. Do it however you want. It lands in our inbox. This first one comes from Tony. Uh, this is actually about the Days of Thunder podcast, so apologies to our non-patrons who ever listened to it, but I thought it would be funny to bring it up anyway. Um, Tony says, Hey guys, I was listening to the Days of Thunder podcast you guys put out and thought I might help clarify some things about the insanity that was Big One Crash and continuing uh, racing so hard. So the short version is that until 2003, the practice of continuing racing despite an accident, also known as racing to the caution, was legal. This allowed drivers to race for positions despite a caution being waived, but only until they next crossed the start-finish line. Generally, oh. yeah, <laughs> wow. not nuts. So, so it's not even like a, a distinction between a full-course yellow and a local yellow. It's... You could race through the yokel, uh, the yokel yellow, uh, the <laughs> local yellow, but then no more uh, position racing until you, or after you cross the start finish line. That's crazy. Right. Yeah. Uh, generally speaking, though, it was understood and an unspoken rule for drivers to put safety first and hold position. But when large sums of cash and points are on the line, it went out the window. Uh, the practice was eventually outlawed and two new rules were put in place to alleviate the problem that the rule originally helped solve unofficially. Uh, hopefully this short explanation and uh, some links that he provided can help clarify a strange piece of NASCAR history. There's a lot of strange pieces <laughs> Yeah, NASCAR history. I was, I'm so, it was such a... Um, educative process for me watching that but also knowing that it was fiction and not knowing what was real and what wasn't i was surprised that most of it was real actually like they a lot of the little anecdotes kind of nuts yeah yeah and a lot of them were actually stories yeah Yeah. taken from reality crazy uh can you take this uh next one drew Sure. Austin in Dallas says, uh, even though I am a new F1 fan, I am fortunate enough to be able to attend the 2019 U.S. Grand Prix, roughly a three-hour drive from Dallas-Fort Worth. And I wanted to know if y'all have any advice for me while I'm at the race. I'm attending through a connection with Citrix, sponsor for Red Bull. If that changed anything, y'all have to say. Uh, That's cool. Right? Hopefully you'll get access to i don't know the skybox or the pit lane or something that'd be awesome Um, see yeah if inquire with with that connection see what uh what opportunities are open to sponsors because sponsors are the vips at Mm. a grand prix so if you can you know finagle your way into some uh you know guest lounges or the pit lane or the garage or something absolutely do that i would say uh but general grand prix advice um how many times have you been i went once or twice i went to austin with you and then uh some friends and i went to canada oh yeah um yeah i feel like um this question comes up in some form every year um especially because this is the one that so many of our listeners will be going to maybe for the first time as well Mm -hmm. Uh, it's interesting we've had so many different people give advice as to what to do i think the one thing with coda is it doesn't really seem to be a bad way to attend that track because we sat in the arena section um whatever it was 15 i think yeah right 15 through 17 or something that whole part Mm -hmm. Uh, or maybe 13 through 15 um but we've also had people who said they had general admission tickets Mm-hmm. who said they had a fantastic time because there's plenty of space. There's not a bad seat on on anywhere near the track because 
it's been built for F1, basically. Um, and you also get to explore different parts of the track for different parts of the race weekend, if you're there for... Or even if you're there for just one day, there'll be support races on. So, yeah, I think it's a great track to, to wander around. There's always good, like, food and, you know, restrooms around. There's a decent amount of, uh, like, other activities going on. Um, I'd say bring sunscreen if you're like oh, yeah. me and you burn a lot. Um, definitely bring some uh, stuff and, and just make sure you've got water and stuff like that. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. A Apart hat. from that, a hat. Yeah, totally. Get your Alexander Rossi hat. Um, get the F1 app. Uh, mm. There's an app. I think it's just the F1 app um, that has... Uh, the radio call not the not necessarily the um the team radio but the like bbc radio 5 commentary for the race because depending on where you are you might not get a television and even if you do get a television you won't be able to hear what the commentators are saying and because you're sitting on the track you only have a, a narrow window into what is going on at the race hopefully you know you'll see some overtaking and that kind of thing um but you don't really understand uh what's going on so to have the app you will not only get the the radio commentary but you will also the app also displays like a um like a real-time text summary like this guy pitted for this reason um or uh you know caution because this guy crashed or whatever Mm. and that is uh invaluable to be able to sit there and go like to consult that and say okay this is what's going on in the race so i would i would really recommend that um head out early enough if you don't want to miss the start of it like there's a bunch of things to do the traffic can get a little bit gnarly getting out there stay on the set side of town if you don't know austin Um, yeah get there early uh expect that it's just going to take all day and i would say if you're not so jazzed about um practice going there for practice like maybe on the on saturday so it goes practice and then qualifying on saturday maybe just go there while the cars are running um and walk around just to kind of get a lay of the land because Mm -hmm. when you go there uh for race day it might be kind of chaotic so um especially if you're a general admission you want to take a a lap around the track just to see where where it would be good to post up um but yeah expect to spend a lot of money there yeah everything is expensive food like if you got a cap or a shirt like even one of those is going to cost like it'll be a it'll be an expensive cap and an expensive shirt yeah but uh i don't know i i got my williams hat there at the yeah uh austin grand prix and i love that hat go take pictures with uh standees of all the drivers of course that's right kimmy's go to kimmy's one straight away and take a picture and send it to us Um, yeah yeah it's fun i enjoyed that track a lot i thought they actually did a good job with the traffic i think getting out of it was actually faster than i've had at most events uh but getting in can be a little bit a little bit tough and if you're going for the whole weekend i'm not sure if there's a musical act this year but that's always a bit of a a bit of fun um uh there probably is stick around and enjoy a taylor swift concert like we did yeah (laughs) Uh, all right let me hop into the next email this one from santeri in finland who says hey guys firstly i want to say i love the show 
uh, you were talking about the different F1 game covers in different countries. Well, you'd think that here in Finland there is at least one on the cover. Well, you're wrong. In a country where there's more F1 champions per capita, <laughs> that's, a, that's a good statistic, I like that, than any other country, there's no Finnish driver on the cover. Even F1 added uh, the race start time to Helsinki after Votas requested it during the Australian Grand Prix this year. Um, just wanted to point that out, uh, this weird and absurd thing. Keep up the good work. I'm not... The way the European packages go, goes game by game, something as granular as, like, FIFA sometimes would have, like, an Irish cover. And I guess Finland's probably in a similar situation where it's not exactly the biggest country in the world population of about the same as Ireland, about five and a half million. So for them to get their own copy is probably, I don't know, not that likely. Although I wonder where they're localized to. Like, I wonder, is is there a Finnish language version of the game? Maybe that's not that hard in a game like F1. It's not like a, you know, 100-hour role-playing game. (laughs) It's not that much text for them to localize. Um, But yeah, a bit of a shame. I I don't have any... um uh source for this but let's see matt Matsaman in the cloth map discord oh uh posted a whole bunch of different variations on the oh. f1 2019 video game fantastic so for poland it is absolutely robert kubica uh and, and hamilton and hamilton it's yeah great. from the top to the bottom <laughs> yes although technically george russell is is Below him. <laughs> uh, for the Netherlands, of course, it's Max and then Hamilton. Oh, France yeah. is uh, Charles Leclerc and Pierre Gasly. Sorry, Roman. Spain is Carlos Sainz and Lewis Hamilton. Canada is Lance Stroll and Lewis Hamilton. <laughs> uh, and of course, it. Australia, Danny Rick and Lewis Hamilton. So it's not like a uh, a big spread of like five drivers that it right. was for I think 2018. Yes. This is just two heads, and they just had to pick the two. So it's 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 usually the person who is from that country and Lewis Hamilton, but in right. the case of France, uh, it's Charles Leclerc and Pierre Gasly, who are it's are both of them Madagascar? No, I guess it's like no. Um, and Grosjean, of course, is technically Swiss, right? Yeah, even though his parents or at least one side of his family are, are French, and he yeah he grew yeah, up I, in Switzerland. Yeah, I wonder if Paris is on the Mexican one. Oh, yeah. Or one did they just get North American ones as well? No, I guess Canada has its own one. I'm less familiar with the uh, North American. Well, who's releases. on the who's on the, the North American release? Um, Yeah, we can just look that game up. It'll just yeah. it'll just pop up. I bet it's uh, Vettel and Hamilton. Is that who's on the normal one? I go to the Steam it page is, yeah. and see. It's Vettel, Vettel and Hamilton. Hamilton. Yeah. yeah. It's not just a picture of uh, Gunter Stein. <laughs> <laughs> or genos <laughs> oh boy yeah uh all right speaking of gunther steiner yeah uh travis says hey guys i feel like gunther's recent fine wasn't too surprising to me given it was a pretty personal uh and a bit over the line even for steiner standards however one thing i couldn't help but notice is that the exchange in question was used as content by the f1 marketing team on their twitter account and then uh travis links to yeah it's the you know how they use their uh, uh, team radio and put text up for whatever driver is saying in sort of a flashy way. Um, they did that with Steiner calling the 
Stewart's stupid idiotic. It uh, seems a bit hypocritical to me, says Travis, to simultaneously find Steiner and use his tirade as content to promote F1. If it represents a way they want to draw people in, then why disincentivize it? Is this just a specific example of one hand not talking to the other? Uh, or do they just want to have their cake and eat it too? What do you guys think? I think that's probably pretty accurate. I think it's, you know, F1's got a content team and they 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 produce content. That's what they do. Yeah. Um, and then the people who issue fines, issue fines. And uh, it doesn't really matter, I don't think, to the other, what, what the other is doing. Yeah, I, I suspect that this tweet went up before the fine came in as well. Because this was like 30th of September when it was posted. Um, so maybe the, the, you know, the horse was sort of out of the barn at that stage already. But yeah, I, I, I found that a little bit weird as well once he kind of showed it to me. But yeah, I bet it's just one of those things. Like like you said, one hand not talking to the other. Um, or, or maybe it was, I mean, you could see Formula One saying like, look, we caught you. Here you go. You're going to say this. We're going to find you yeah it's like a it's like a bit like it reminds me of like for profit prisons where it's like you can't like slap someone on the wrist and also profit from them <laughs> although you know also not that really that much like for profit prisons but <laughs> steiner got fined what like nine thousand dollars or something he's something out. yeah yeah uh all right that's it for emails isn't it sure um, is you can also follow us on Twitter at Shift F1 Podcast. I'm Andrew Scanlon. He is at Danny O'Dwyer. That's us around the internet. Should we find out what racing is happening around the world, Danny? Oh, we should probably go race around the world. The World Rally Championship is in mm, Salou, Spain. Salou. 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 For. Oh, interesting. This, uh, at least on my calendar, says Rally RACC Catalonia hyphen Rally de España. Oh, boy. That's the, yeah, that's, that's all going on at the moment. Uh, the World Superbike Championship is in Qatar at the Losail International Circuit mm-hmm. uh, for their round 13. Gander Mountain Trucks are at Thank the you. Martinsville Speedway Incorporated uh, in Ridgeway, <laughs> Virginia for no the agent. <laughs> For the NASCAR Hall of Fame Charlotte 200. Is this a bunch of old guys driving? Is that what you're telling me? I if you guess. win this, you get to go into the Hall of Fame. <laughs> it's a free ticket. Uh, supercars are in Surfer's Paradise in Queensland, Australia. They've been spending most of their lives there. Uh, oh, you bet me to it. <laughs> It's my favorite Coolio racetrack. <laughs> uh, MotoGP is at <gasps> Phillip Island, also in Australia, for their round 17. Nobody tell Philip. We haven't asked his permission yet. Uh, Super Formula is at the Suzuka Circuit in Inocho. <gasps> Suzuka City, uh-huh. Mie Prefecture, oh, Japan. Suzukashi Mieken. Um, <laughs> and we got NASCAR. Oh my, where we going, Drew? We're also in Martinsville along with them trucks. Don't tell Martin. <laughs> Philip and Martin <laughs> uh, hosting racing this weekend. Well, in NASCAR land, we got the first data 500. If you ain't first, first data, you're last data. <laughs> John C. Riley is in Days of Thunder. <laughs> he is. 
it really reframes Talladega Nights in my yeah. in my head. I was like, oh, okay, huh, <laughs> all right. Also, there's a uh, Michael Rooker. Oh yeah, who I didn't realize was a real actor, actor that young. Yeah, or just like <laughs> I think I first saw him like in like The Walking Dead or something. Right. So he was always kind of a little bit older. There you go. Uh, if you'd like to support the show, you can do so at patreon.com slash shift F1. Uh, again, we've got <laughs> Days of Thunder there. Uh, we got uh, F1 something, 2002. 2002. That's what it says on the disc. And the disc couldn't be wrong, could it? Maybe that's printed wrong as well. It's all <laughs> just a, it's a turtles all the way down. And uh, when do you think that one's going up? Uh, that, that's up already. Oh, the video Not- is? It, it will be by the time people hear this. Oh, I see. Okay, cool. <laughs> uh, cool. All right. Mexico this weekend, everyone. Uh, anything else, Danny? No. Looking forward to the race. Uh, it does feel like the sleepy end of the, the season. Almost everyone's got their new seat. Um, and uh, yeah, I guess we'll look forward to new regulations. But there's always, at this time of the year, people you know sometimes get a little bit sleepy on it. But there's always interesting packs going on. It's a lot of money for constructors. Um, there's some absolutely wild, cl- wildly close fights in the in the mid pack in terms of points. So, and when you're watching, they're probably going to keep the the broadcast on the front. But uh, just keep in mind, everyone else, maybe keep if you've got the F1 app, keep the uh, keep the data tracker on so you can you can check it out because uh, yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. There's going to be a lot of drivers who care a lot racing around that track. So should be should be a good one. Uh, I saw Roman Grosjean saying maybe we should do split screen for uh, for midfield. So we could see what? like a midfield battle. Totally. I wish I I I wish they would just. I feel like they've gotten better in recent years from pulling away from the front. Yeah. Certainly, ten years ago, if there was a lot of like just watching, first for first sake. But uh, yeah, I think hopefully they'll. You know what? If Hamilton wins this, gets it over and done with. I think it'd be really cool if they actually really lent into that for the last uh, last three races. But right. I guess we'll have to wait and see. We certainly shall. Have a good race weekend, everyone. We will see you all next week. Meow.